Hi, and welcome to The Flow, presented by Herowex, a female-focused extension of Haemophilia Ontario, a not-for-profit dedicated to supporting the lives of those living with inherited bleeding disorders. I'm Natalie Filbert. And I'm Amy Griffith, and we're here to help lead the revolution for women's bleeding disorder care. A note before we begin that this is a safe place for anyone who finds value in the content, regardless of their gender identity or their reason for being here. Okay, so welcome to this episode of The Flow. I'm really excited by our guest that we have on the episode today. Today we have Wendy Quinn joining us. Wendy is a mother of a son with severe hemophilia A. Wendy has been the volunteer chapter for Hemophilia Saskatchewan for over 10 years and is a concurrent board member for the Canadian Hemophilia Society and the current president. Professionally, Wendy is a primary nurse practitioner with a specialty in adult gerontology, and today she works predominantly in the First Nations community with a focus on prenatal, women's health, and chronic disease management. So welcome, Wendy. We're glad to have you on the episode today. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you for having me. This is a complete privilege and honor to be a guest on your show. Excellent, excellent. So how about we start with, can you start by telling us your experience in the bleeding disorder community? So I think my experience comes authentically. Bleeding disorders was completely not in my world. It had, it occurred when my son was born, when he was born with severe hemophilia A. He was a genetic mutation and it was not in our family prior to his birth. So it was a new discovery for us, a new world for us, a world of quite a lot of trepidation, fear, unknown situation that really provoked action and created a new world in in many, many, many ways. Okay. So yeah, so that's how that's how we I entered into the world of bleeding disorders. When it first came upon us, it was about my son. Truly, truly was about my son. And so at the time, I took him on, took it on, took everything on as a soul artist. And a soul artist meaning that I had the healthcare background. I began to understand the, his bleeding disorders very well. Obviously, I studied it even more extensively now that my son had it. So that before I became an expert for my son, therefore, I thought I could do it all. So... I was very keen on on not having him be defined by his bleeding disorders. I was very keen on not having to be a part of any sort of group or any kind of setting that was dedicated to bleeding disorders because I thought we are not bleeding disorders. We are a family that has a child with a bleeding disorders, but that will not define us. So I was on a very high horse at the beginning of this whole venture. And it was only my son who taught me different. It was my son that made me humble. And he came to me as a six-year-old child with big tears in his eyes. And he said, mom, am I the only person in the world with hemophilia? And that's when I, my whole, my heart crumbled. And I went, what have I done? What have I done? And it was that day that I called the Hemophilia Saskatchewan chapter. I said, is there anything that I can do to 
give my son a, an experience where he feels like he's not the only person in this world with hemophilia. They invited me in, open arms, like a big old family. And I mean, because of my background, because of my healthcare background, they really wanted me to join the board. And so then I did. And so I joined the board as a, a as a person that was had no board experience and then really elevated to a level that that they needed a leadership type of person. I'm not a board person. I never was. But I knew that I was a call to action for me and there was a need. And there was people who were open arms, welcome me. Now I must return the favor or I must do my part as well. So with that in mind, I gave it my all. I learned how to be a board member. I learned how to lead the chapter for, for many years. And uh, along that time as well, I also was on the CHS board and eventually was on there long enough so that they started to say, okay, she might know something because she's been here long enough. She should know something. <laughs> so then <laughs> I think process of, oh my gosh, she's been here the longest. Just let's get, get her in the position. No, I learned it very, I think when I started on the board, I knew nothing. And from the great leaders that we've, that I've come up or had the opportunity and the privilege to work alongside of, I learned it. Every step of this journey has been taught to me by those who have walked the walk, Natalie. And I feel incredibly, like again, blessed to have this experience. Now, as I'm sitting in the role myself and have been for the last two and a half years, I go, wow, I remember sitting in this position um, when I first joined the CHS board and going, how do I get to be like her? And that person I was pointing to was the president at the time. And I thought, wow, you know, what does it take? And so that's my journey with the bleeding disorders community. I always go back to the fact, though, that I am a mother of a son with severe hemophilia. And that was the reason why I'm here. And that started this whole bleeding disorders journey for myself. What a heartwarming story, Wendy. I think that's just a, a really special moment that you're sharing with us about when your son came to you and you made that realization of, oh my gosh, I have to become part of something bigger so that he has those experiences and knows that he's not alone and knows that he's not the only one. What a beautiful story and what an amazing message to others in the community, considering, as you said, you started out with no board experience at all and just out of passion and the desire to learn and the desire to be a part of the community, managed to find your way in a current president position for the board of the Canadian Hemophilia Society. Like what, what a great message for anyone out there who thinks, oh, you know, I don't have any board experience. I can't be part of that. You can, you can do that and you can be part of those types of bigger changes, even if you come in without any experience. So I, I love sharing that story. That's such a great story, both from your personal and even your work in the board. It's, it's such an amazing journey and story to share. Wendy, you and I have talked about um, our mutual interest in um, menstruators and women living with bleeding disorders. So 
in this journey of yours, when did that start to become an interest for you? If I was not in the position as I am professionally, Natalie, and I'm just going to be honest with you, if I was not in the professional role that I have right now, I may not have been such an advocate. I do not experience bleeding myself as a woman, and I have my son, so I can see how many people get siloed into their own experiences and really have their eyes sort of not aware or not open to what other people experience. But because, and this is where my two worlds are colliding, I see women in practice. I see, I am a primary care provider. So I see that woman that will come in with heavy menstrual bleeding. I see that woman that would have like bruises and said, you know, my mother used to have really heavy periods and whatever, listen to her. And I've had heavy periods since I was, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all of a sudden my wheels are turning. So I've seen this in professional practice. And so women's health, to me is a very, very important because women come to me for, for care and all women. So it's an all encompassing, it's an all encompassing experience and a large part of why a woman presents sometimes is because of menstrual issues, because of pelvic pain, because of painful periods. I think on a run of a, a week, if I was going to say how, if I get a, a a a list of people who are booked for with me, and if it's a woman, it's usually because they have pelvic pain, and it has something to do with with bleeding or not with bleeding, but that's what that's the reality that I see now because I'm a woman and I'm a provider and I'm a nurse practitioner. Those are all the three reasons why women want to come and see me. So I attract women into mm-hmm. practice. You know what I mean? All of those reasons will make a woman want to see me and feel comfortable to see me. And so then I get, I get, I, I'm privileged to be able to serve these women. And so with my knowledge of bleeding disorders from my role in the Canadian Hemophilia Society and, and my own son and, and our hematologist and all of those wonderful people who have helped educate me I now take that education that I would never have known and learned had I not had that role and I now transfer it directly to the patients that I see directly and I say you know what here's here's what this could be here's how we can treat here's where you can go here are the resources and I go wow you came to me with this problem and I have so much knowledge about it. And I'm thinking, it's your lucky day. It's your right. lucky day. You know, and that's what I feel every time some a woman presents to me with, with bleeding and because of, of my extra knowledge that I have in that area. So it's interesting that you bring up your extra knowledge and and sort of this background that you bring to the patients that you work with. And I'm wondering, as a nurse practitioner, with your experience, with all of the knowledge that you bring, we know that the delay in diagnosis for women with bleeding disorders is an average of 16 years delay. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts as a nurse practitioner around you know, around that delayed diagnosis or, or those that are undiagnosed? 
every single time I have had exposure to these statistics and the stories that have come from the women in the bleeding disorders community who have seen their providers, their primary care providers, have not been believed in, in their story, who have suffered for a long time, I always go, first of all, I need to make sure that I'm listening and that as a, as a primary care provider that I am making sure that I don't minimize any of the story that they are telling me. And then I think to myself, you know, it would be wonderful if I could include all of the primary care providers who hear the same story that I hear and approach people and approach our women the way that I would with the knowledge that I have. Is that going to happen? I don't think so because I'm, that's just reality is not going to allow that to happen. So I really like the idea of sort of a consistent approach to a problem that presents, meaning that there is, when you see this, this is what you do. If you need to figure out a test to order for von Willebrand's disease, this is the test that you order. Like I wanted to see a standardized approach to recognizing bleeding that is abnormal. And I know those tools exist in, in a lot of the resources that I've been presented with at all of our conferences, but they're not universal and they're not out there and they're not being used. So creating the avenues for primary care providers to know that these tools exist and getting them in a place where they're not just another app or just not another place to Google. It's actually in a portal that is evidence-based, that providers would trust, that is backed up by data, by research, by science, the science. We need, we need a spot where a provider would go when they're stuck and don't know what to do, and then they find that resource there. That's the only way that I see a consistent message and approach to women in bleeding. I That's the only place that I could see that working across the board for primary care providers. Because being on Google and going and finding things, it's such, I mean, you know, we all do it, but to actually know what the best app is or what the best, you know, algorithm is, what it, there's no, we don't have time as primary care to tease that out. But if we had it, if, if, if it was in a place, a universal place where those, if it was in a universal place where it was a high graded portal of information and they say, oh, here it is, then we'd have a lot more buy-in from our primary care providers. Do I know a place like that? Not really, but I do. We use a, a few resources that are very, very universal and very trusted by the healthcare professionals. And I think if we can tap into those areas and tap into those avenues, I think we would have something. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. That's really that's that's a really good point about we do have the tools there are lots of tools mm-hmm. that are available to be utilized and yet they're not really being utilized yeah. to help kind of bridge this gap for undiagnosed women or women that have a very big significant delay in diagnosis 
So any thoughts, and if you don't, that's totally okay, but any thoughts on why this portal or this access to this universal tool is, is become so hard for this particular topic? Any, any yeah. thoughts on that? I don't, I don't know if we've even tried to centralize sort of this kind of an access. I just know that when I use resources and one of my resources that I use, I don't want to name it because I don't think we should be plugging resources on, but there's a very trusted resource that many healthcare professionals use. And it's one-stop shop, really. We can Google, you can do this, you can do that. But when you go to this specific one, you know that it is high caliber information and it is very trustworthy and so when you if the provider isn't going to your app then maybe place your app where the provider would go that's the way I see it if you're not getting uptake from wonderful resource that you have then make your resource place it in a place where a provider would go where they would see it you know as opposed to waiting for that provider to come to you and that's the way I think it's just the angle and the strategy of how we do it. You kind of have to bump into a primary care provider's head. The amount of time a person has at the patient's bedside or when they come into office, the time factor, the engagement factor, the amount of the kind of appointment that the person is going for. All of those things are really important to factor in. And I was on a webinar, a CME actually, and it was on, actually, I think I talked to you that, about this, Natalie. It was about bleeding, abnormal bleeding. And I thought, oh, this will be great. Yes. There was, and it wasn't what I was, I thought it was a provincial thing. It was actually across the country. So there was not an opportunity to ask and get more specific questions about, you know, certain things. But I thought, okay, now we're getting into the reasons for abnormal bleeding. And I was like sitting on the edge of my seat and the, the presenter was excellent. He was a hematologist. He mentioned bleeding disorders for just one second. Like it was hardly even a mention. It was at the end. And it was like all of the other things that cause abnormal bleeding. And then, and then oh, bleeding disorders should be ruled out. Next slide. You know what I mean? That was it. If hematology is giving bleeding disorders such a small piece or, you know, focus, then how do we expect primary care providers to give it anymore? You know what I mean? Right. So it, it just led me to the thought of like, you know, why is that happening? Why is, why is our bleeding disorders being talked about? Am I just got my bleeding disorders eyeballs on all the time and that anything that seems bleeding to me needs to be like okay is that a bleeding disorder you know so I might be heightened in my sort of reception of information because of my experience and but I run into this all the time and then to tell you the truth I don't have an answer Natalie I really really don't have an answer right that's why I say if they're not coming to us then we must go to them you know, yes. yeah, and place this in a in an algorithm. Like, there's, you know, how many algorithms are out there, Natalie, for how to manage any condition where you start. Like, you see a symptom, this is what it's a yes or a no. You go, if it's a yes, you go this way. You know, this you go this way. So somewhere in the algorithm, we could place a. If you see bleeding, make sure you delve into this. Here is a resource. Find out where that and place ourselves into these into certain 
evidence-based algorithms where we're actually going to be our resource or our guidance will be will be used and the uptake will be right in because that's where they go to search they go to search to find out what to do and that's where the learning happens at that moment it's like a point of care learning providers only have time for so you make a really interesting point wendy when you say you know you're heightened you're aware you you are in it you know so when you have patients come in and you hear things you're peaked you know what to look for But you also have acknowledged that lots of primary care providers don't. And you brought up that webinar where, you know, if you're giving one little bit of attention to bleeding disorders and you're just going right by it, like how, how are we going to expect everybody, like all primary care providers to do that? So what would you, do you have any suggestions for patients that might go in to their primary care provider, but their prime, let's say their primary care provider isn't as well versed on this topic as you are. Do you have any suggestions for the patients, how they might advocate for themselves if they have bleeding concerns or if they maybe think, hey, I, I don't know any different, but my period seems really heavy or it's impacting my life, right? Do you have any suggestions how they would advocate to their primary care provider? I think what really, really helps is, and this is going to sound really quite simple. If a person is going in for a specific reason and the provider has no clue of why they're being seen, you say checkup, okay? And this makes a difference. You go in as say, I'm gonna have a checkup with the doctor. You don't wanna tell the reception what you're going in for. If the person says, I'm having heavy menstrual bleeding, tell the reception, tell whoever saying it's about bleeding. Then it already hones that provider into all the steps because it's, it's amazing how much a provider will do beforehand when they see a patient coming in and going, oh, this is a pap, oh, this is a complete oh this is this oh this and they they size up their day they know what they're going to go and if they say someone coming in with abnormal bleeding okay they're already thinking all the things that they're going to be seeing and what they might hear and whatever so they're already prepping themselves mentally for what's going to be happening the person comes in and that person with abnormal bleeding has booked themselves in and they it's a checkup that could be anything Mm-hmm. And then anything could be like, okay, can you tell me why you're here? And then it's a, it's, it, and I'm not saying that that a patient has the has responsibility to make their physicians or their NPs days a better day. Okay, that's not their responsibility. But if it's right. like you're going to work the system, make sure that you're placed well. Don't go in with a thousand complaints and then bring up bleeding as your last thing. B, if it's important to you, make that your visit and make it sure that you're telling the the physician beforehand that is what you're here for. And you might get a better sort of openness to what you're hearing. Then they'll hone right in to the bleeding. Right. If If you have, I would say to any patient, if they have abnormal bleeding, everybody Googles, right? Everybody checks out what's you know, and nobody wants to hear, well, I, when I did my research, well, that's the 
that almost puts people in a in an irritation, like providers in an irritation. What research are you talking about? Babe? Because you, you searched it on Google. That is not called research, but whatever. But it's an irritate that and it'll be a resistant sort of thing. Okay, the person comes with all this, but you say, you know what? I have a period app or even using any of the resources that if they if they came in with bleeding, have them look at the tool, use the tool first, and then present the tool and to the, to that provider. Do you know how wonderful it is when I hear a woman come in and say, I have a tool on my, I'm saying, you have a period too? I am so happy to hear because it is the, the history that we have to get from somebody's memory is really difficult. It is so difficult for them to remember when their period was, how long it lasted, what was the, you know, heavy flow, was it was a pain, like nothing. But if I, and then at the end, if I do have that struggle with trying to get that information, I say, hey, you know what? There are these apps that you can use. You have your phone, let me show you try this one out. This is the one I have. This is a great one. You know what I mean? Whatever it is. And then I can help them point them out. So it's, it's really, really, um, it sounds, it sounds like these are the semantics of an appointment with your physician, but you want to optimize your time as much as you can. You don't want to waste time. You want to get right to the heart of things. What's of what's going on be prepared yourself to be asked these questions know the questions yourself so that you can give the best and i really really feel having the resource beforehand that even if your provider is not aware of the resource they will be so welcoming to know that you've got yourself organized and you can answer their questions and be really well good with your history that's going to put you way ahead and be a better advocate for yourself that's a really, a really great point. And I think I will take the opportunity to anyone who's listening just to point out that if you go to Hemophilia Ontario's website, heroix.ca, so H-E-R-O-I-X-X.ca, on the homepage, you will actually see a tool that does measure bleeding called a self vat and that's on the homepage of heroex.ca or you could go directly to let's talk period.ca and the self vat is on the homepage of either of those websites and that really is a good point Wendy because that is a tool that actually takes like two to three minutes to just fill in and it gives you a score that you could actually take into your primary care provider and say, hey, this is this is what I got as a score. Can we talk about this? So I, I really like that point about going in with, all right, this is what I've done. This is what I know. Can we kind of talk about this and kind of giving them a heads up about what you're coming in for? So thank you for those suggestions anything else you want to share with us today? This has been really informative to me because I think both informative as from the patient perspective, but also really informative from an organizational side of things, even as myself as a staff of Hemophilia Ontario. So I, I found this really, really great. So is there anything else you want to share today? Yes. You know, Natalie, I think, I, I think when we first talked in at 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 our our rendezvous and at the wonderful presentation on our women in bleeding disorders session that we had there what really hit me hard was there was so much there was just just a hunger for information 
and a need for for service. And I fell, found myself wearing two hats um, at all times. I found myself being that I, I have the ability to treat. I have the ability to resource my patients with with all of the information I'm I'm getting here. I'm also in this leadership role with CHS that I have the ability to advocate for for bleed, women who bleed that are are still not diagnosed properly and and work as a within our mission at CHS to make sure that we are capturing our data and capturing our women who are out there. So there's so many facets of how of 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 what just in me and I thought thank goodness that that. I did jump into this and I just see this as service, but I'm going, here's me with, with, with just happened to be a nurse practitioner and happened to have a son with severe hemophilia. What a great combination because now I've been able to sort of put myself in a, in a situation where I could really, really be beneficial both my son and to the community. But what I want to tell everybody is, you don't have to be a nurse practitioner. You don't have to be somebody on the board. And you said this now in the beginning or have, you know, a lot of that experience. You just have to believe in the cause. You have to believe in something that is really, really important to you and you don't give up. And then all of a sudden the pieces will fall into place and the advocacy will come from such a deep uh, level that you could move mountains. And you may be a nurse practitioner, you may be a, a business person, you may be a person that is really, really good with working with customer service areas. You have skills, you have certain traits that really fit into the passion that you are behind. Then you take those skills and you just apply it to your passion and then you go forward and with your best foot forward. And that's what makes an organization great. Okay. It's not, it's not anything. It's about people who believe in the mission and they have a passion and they're willing to learn and they're willing to bring their best selves and their best skills and their best traits forward to fill the need of that organization's mission so we need you is the, is yes, the message. yes oh thank you so much wendy it's been such a pleasure having you on this podcast today and doing this episode with me I feel like I've learned so much and very very inspirational so I just want to say a really big thank you for being here today Natalie, I am so honored that you even considered having me on your podcast. I love speaking of the work that we do in CHS, but I also love to share the journey and give people hope that, that you know, things are getting better and life is not dismal and we've got so much on the horizon right now. So having the opportunity to share this with you today and and share my story and hopefully inspire others to follow their their personal journeys and make a positive out of whatever they can. Well said. Thank you. The Flow is presented by Herewex, a female-focused extension of Hemophilia Ontario, 
a not-for-profit dedicated to supporting the lives of those living with inherited bleeding disorders in partnership with funding by Octopharma. Find us online at www.heroics.ca. That's www.heroix.ca for resources, research, and support from our community. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.